Hey all you cool cats and kittens, welcome to episode 4 of Quarantinema, aka Quarantinema, whatever you want to call it, who am I to dictate what you should call the podcast that I invented. We're going to have a fun show for you guys today, we're talking about a little movie called 28 Days Later uh, from 2002, it's uh, the second zombie movie we've done so far in the short uh, lifespan of our series, uh, We also it's the second uh, Danny Boyle movie in our series so far. So we've already talked about quarantine in our initial episode. Uh, we talked about 127 hours in episode two. Uh, and here we are episode four, about 28 days later. I'm really, really uh, glad that I got to rewatch this one. It's been a while since I've actually uh, sat down and watched it. And I enjoyed it a lot more than uh, I remember uh, liking it. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope everyone's doing well. Let's see. It is Sunday, March 29th. And, Things could be better. I think we we can all agree with that. Uh, you know, we're all watching the news. Numbers keep rising. Quarantine uh, that we're all in. There's really no end in sight, uh, which is great because our podcast just got uh, proved to be on Apple Podcasts uh, and Spotify as well. So you can listen to us uh, pretty much anywhere major podcasts are heard. So uh, why don't you go subscribe to our channel? Uh, I think you're really going to like it. We're uh, kind of starting to figure out how we're going to get things going uh, here. we got a couple of guests uh, lined up uh, in the next couple episodes here. So this is going to be fun. Uh, let's uh, get right into it. So 28 Days Later. Uh, again, it's a Danny Boyle movie. Uh, dire- uh, directed by Danny Boyle. Written by Alex Garland. Uh, you might recognize some of his other movies. Uh, Annihilation, Ex Machina, uh, The Beach, which was also a Danny Boyle movie. Uh, he, he also has a new uh, show on FX slash Hulu out right now called Devs. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. Uh, it stars Nick Offerman, but uh, it's on my list of to do for quarantine. Uh, I'm just I'm fin- I, I started rewatching Fargo uh, recently. I want to get caught up uh, for the new season uh, that's coming out, so I want to get that done, finish Fargo. But Devs definitely on my short list right now. Uh, hopefully, I'll get to it within the next month or so. This movie was also. Uh, Killian Murphy's uh, breakthrough, I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, I'm, I always look at it and I want to say Cillian. Uh, look it up, the phonetic version of it. I think it's Killian, but to me, he's always just going to be that guy from Batman Begins. But this was kind of his breakout role to American audiences. He had been, he had actually been around for a couple of years. He's had some lead roles in uh, some European stuff, but this was kind of his big intro to American audiences uh, in 28 Days Later. The movie also has uh, future Academy Award nominee Naomi Harris and uh, Selena. Brandon Gleason, one of the most underrated character actors in the business, uh, if you ask me. If you know Brandon Gleason, you might recognize him from uh, the Harry Potter series. He plays Mad-Eye Moody. Uh, he's also been in a lot, a lot of good ones like Braveheart, uh, Gangs of New York, The Guard, In Bruges, uh, which we're actually going to talk about later on in the series, uh, which I'm really excited for. That's one of my... Uh, that, that's one of my favorite screenplays of all time, uh, and he actually gets a lead role in that movie, so it's cool to get him uh, to see him get a chance to shine uh, on a bigger stage. Brandon Gleason kills in this movie as always, uh, and then movies also got Megan Burns and Christopher Eccleston, uh, who uh, went on to uh, go play uh, Doctor Who uh, after this movie. The movie's got it was a kind of an early role for a lot of uh, names that ended up uh, doing some cool things. Uh, so the ca- the cast is great. It's small. It is a zombie movie. So unlike uh, Quarantine, uh, I know when uh, we talked about that one, I said, you know, you don't really need great performances. Like it's a zombie movie. Guys are running around just killing each other and blah, 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 blah. This is more of a, 
this one has a lot more depth to it. It's more about a story about it's a story about survival more so than just a zombie movie. The basic premise is uh, where the title gets his name from. Killian Murphy uh, plays Jim. Uh, he's a bike messenger who wakes up uh, 28 days after he got in a car accident. When he woke up, the hospital bed he was in is empty, uh, the, or the hospital rather is empty. Uh, the streets of London completely empty. Uh, it's a vi- it's one of the most memorable first acts. Uh, over the last 20 years, not a lot of stuff you've seen like this. They were able to completely shut down parts of London for this movie, which given the scale of the movie, it only had an $8 million budget, so it's impressive that uh, they were able to block off you know, the city in certain ways that they were able to, and it looks absolutely incredible. Like There's no trace of any uh, people whatsoever, aside from a couple of mangled corpses here and there. Basically, uh, when he wakes up, he finds out that the world has been taken over by, let's call them zombies, it's all about his survival point from that from here on out. He quickly joins up with uh, Naomi Harris's character, who plays Selena. They eventually meet Frank and his daughter Hannah. Frank's played by Brandon Gleason. Hannah's played by Megan Burns. Uh, and this was actually her only feature role. The other three went off to uh, do some pretty big things, but uh, as far as Megan Burns is concerned, this was just kind of it uh, for her. She never really, uh, never really did anything too crazy afterwards. Uh, she did, however going to work as a singer under the name Betty Curse. So let's get into uh, the Danny Boyle side of things. This has a lot of his trademarks kind of slapped all over them. It's kind of tough to say if this was his breakout uh, movie, to at least to American audiences, because like he had, he's been around since the early 90s, uh, did a lot of TV work. Trainspotting was a big one in, of his. Uh, that came out in the 90s as well. Uh, and this was kind of... Th- this is more... It's tough to call it a blockbuster because it is such a small, uh, you know, it is a small movie, only $8 million. Did make $45 million domestic and 85 worldwide, so that's a nice ROI on that one. But yeah, so a lot of people, this is their introduction to Danny Boyle. This, is, this probably has a more of a wide stream appeal to it rather than a bunch of people in Scotland doing uh, heroin <laughs> uh, for two hours, but... It's a, it's a it's a fun movie too. I I like Train Spotting. I don't love it. Uh, I like this movie a lot better than uh, Train Spotting, but I do still think that 127 Hours is his best movie. With this movie in particular, you just see. I, I said on the 127 Hours episode, uh, the, Danny Boyle is able to get his fingerprints over his movies like pretty distinctly. Uh, you know, there's very few directors out there that when you're actually watching their movies. It's obvious that they're their movies, and Danny Boyle's one of those guys. You know, you got your, your Tarantino's, your Fincher's, your Christopher Nolan's, these big-name directors who all kind of have, like, a style, a very distinct style, and Dan, uh, Danny Boyle definitely has his own with unique editing and odd camera angles and a, a phenomenal use of music. This movie doesn't have a ton of actual music music in it. It's got, it has its own original score, which is, it's great during the action uh, sequences, there's one scene in particular uh, where the four uh, main characters we're following, they're able to find refuge in a grocery store, and they're able to kind of pillage the store and stock up, uh, which they hadn't been able to. It's a very humanizing uh, scene for some of the characters. They're, they're actually able to let loose for once. They're not scared of zombies, uh, so to speak, uh, for that one moment in time, which is really cool. And that whole scene is set to uh, a song called AM 180 by Granddaddy. Uh, I... Every time I watch this movie, I I know I love that scene. I've heard the scene like sporadically throughout, but 
I just I like this time I like I had to like actually write it down. She's like, okay, I like this song, and it's I've, I've listened to it five or six times. I don't know in the two days since I've since I've watched uh, rewatched the movie. What's really clear in the movie is what happened when we talk about quarantine a couple episodes ago. It was just kind of one of those accepted things. Like, okay, there's this outbreak now. There's zombies, and now you got to deal with it. Uh, but with this one, it's very clear. In the first two minutes of the movie, what happened and wh- how severe it really is. Basically, these animal rights people, they break into this lab uh, where they find people have been experimenting on chimps. And the chimps have been infected with rage, uh, a rage dis- uh, disorder, if you will. When they try and free one of the monkeys, uh, the chimp ends up mauling one of the anim- uh, the activists. And that person becomes infected. And then this person becomes infected. And the whole thing just becomes very obvious in that two minute ish cold open the movie this is what we're dealing with <laughs> he does a great job of just establishing right off the bat okay these are the rules this is how it works and this is what it is and also at the beginning of the movie uh, after killing murphy uh his character wakes up from his coma he has he's he's doing great <laughs> uh for a guy who just woke up out of a coma he's got a lot of energy and he's able to walk across uh all of london visit all the major landmarks and he did it all seemingly in an afternoon. So glad to see uh, Jim's feeling all right there. Uh, as far as the zombies go in this movie, as I've said before, I'm a big zombie fan. Uh, I grew up loving all things zombies, uh, whether it was video games, movies. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many hours my friends and I uh, spent in middle school playing Nazi zombies in our friend, uh, one another's basement. Uh, but yeah, I love zombies and I love fast zombies. I love fast, loud aggressive zombies and this one does it as good as any movie out there it's a little different from the quarantine ones they do still seem a little more human uh their eyes are a little more you know their eyes are bloodshot they're definitely a lot more aggressive but the just the sounds and the look they gave they nailed it they did an awesome job with uh these zombies this is kind of like the bar as to what i want my zombies to be anything less than this doesn't really doesn't really do it for me so uh, one scene in particular uh, that I really want to dive into here, I think it was my favorite scene in the movie, the death of one of the main characters, but there's actually no zombie attack uh, in the scene, which uh, is kind of ironic. So Frank, uh, played by Brandon Gleason, his death is, you know, it's pretty sad, uh, actually. So the way uh, he dies, uh, basically he heard over the radio that there was this military encampment up the road, uh, that if they could get to that, they'd be safe there. So that's where the four characters are spending uh, really the first two to three acts of the movie and the end of Act 3, uh, if you're looking at it from a five-act uh, standpoint. The end of Act 3, really, right in the middle of the movie, they get to uh, the campsite that they were told to go to, and they find out that there's nobody there. Uh, they do see some dead zombies lying around. In fact, one of them is actually um, hanging above uh, from some kind of a railing or wire or something bird is trying to eat it and brandon gleason standing directly under it he had just realized what a big uh waste of time this all was uh, especially because he was the one that was pushing them to uh, leave the city and go out into the into the open here so to speak and as he's standing under uh this corpse he looks up and a drop of blood actually gets into his eye and he just instantly turns into a zombie and he knows it you know everyone else is quick to realize it so as fast as he can, he just starts telling his daughter, you know, I love you and get away from me and this and then like all of a sudden starts going through this transformation. 
Uh, and that's where the soldiers come out of hiding and they, sh uh, they end up shooting him, killing him. And so we don't have to see him actually become a zombie. So, so what this movie does so well, it thrives in its action sequences. Uh, it can kind of draw out a little bit. And part of that's um, due to the fact that the dialogue isn't always super easy to understand, whether it's the volume of it or it's just the thick accents from the characters. It does take place in London uh, and surrounding areas. So it, between the volume and the surrounding accents, it's not always easy to pick up what the characters are exactly saying to one another. But when they, when everyone's on the run, they're trying to get away from you know all the zombies and stuff like that. That's when the movie's at its best. But this one, it kind of finds that happy medium and it elevates the movie way better than any other scene in the actual movie. So this is the most brutal death because it's a character that we we're actually invested in. Of the four major character, of uh, the four main uh, protagonists, I should say, uh, Frank's the only one that doesn't get out alive, uh, sadly. So pretty much right as it happens, you're able to see Frank realize the situation and kind of get out everything he needs to say, and then he just loses himself. He you know he turns into one of these things, and then it's over just like that. And one of the other things about Brandon Gleason is I talked about how much I, I like him as an actor earlier. He's at his best when he's playing angry. You know, he's this big, brooding figure. He's got this thick Irish accent. And he's just, he's really good at playing mad. Look at what he does in Gangs of New York, in uh, the Harry Potter movies. So this is what he does. He kind of gets typecast in this a little bit. Hey, if it works, it works. He's a character actor, you know. He's He's been the lead in some movies, but... Uh, and his son is starting to blow up uh, over the last couple of years here. He's uh, Donald Gleason. He's got a show coming out on HBO called Run, I believe. He spends the entire movie uh, before this kind of being quiet and laid back. And you, <laughs> you see him smile at one point. And you never see Brandon Gleason smile. Like, that's just not, that's just not in his character. It's, he just doesn't do that. Uh, but in this... A scene in particular, he's able to kind of like let loose and kind of build on his own strengths. It's a very, very well done scene. My favorite scene in the uh, in the movie uh, kind of stuck out to me rewatching it. And I, I, I've seen this movie, I don't know, a dozen times and I knew this was coming. Uh, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I forgot uh, what a powerful scene it was. So uh, definitely, definitely my uh, favorite scene in the movie. After that scene, uh, the soldiers that they were looking for all along kind of come in and uh, they take him back to this mansion that they've uh, started occupying. Uh, and I forgot, I didn't forget about these scenes. I forgot how prominent it was in the movie. It's really like a half hour, 45 minutes I thought uh, of stuff that's going on here. I thought it was way shorter than that. Uh, it's really two full acts of the movie. Uh, and I forgot about all the stuff about you know, how they, uh, they're taking the women and they want to use them for reproduction. And, you know, it's a, it's a lot more kind of rapey, uh, than I remember it being, but I understand what they were doing that late into the movie. Like we're over an hour into the movie when we actually meet them and there's a lot of soldiers and they all have dialogue. And at this point, it's just like, it's so late into the movie. And it's such a tight cast already that all of a sudden you're just asked to like learn about all these new people and get invested in them and what you know who they are what they're doing you know learn who the bad guys are the the leader is major west uh played by christopher eccleston it's just it kind of it kind of takes away uh from the movie to me they i i don't really love that fourth act when you're getting to know the soldiers and they're talking about 
you know, what it is they're doing uh, here and they need the women and, you know, all hope is lost and this and that and they have to rebuild the world themselves, uh, that sort of thing. It's not, it just slows the whole movie down. It was such a well-paced movie up until then and you come off this major emotional high of Frank's death and all the action associated with that. And then it really just becomes a totally different movie as far as the theme of what what they've been talking about. And I understand what they're doing. At this point, they do realize that the world is pretty much over and they have to think of some way how the survivors are going to stick together and keep the human race going. And uh, I did read about this, that Danny Boyle was actually, uh, he researched a lot of African countries, um, Sierra Leone in particular, to kind of see like what happens when the government falls apart and you know there's no law, so to speak, martial law, if you will. So, yeah, so we did a lot of research about that and what happens to, okay, what happens to these people? What happens to these people? What what role does the military play and all that stuff? So, and that's kind of what they're trying to show in the scenes, which I, I get. It just kind of slows everything down a little bit for me, kind of takes me out of the movie. And then the fifth act is just a big, you know, zombies are coming. The soldiers start getting infected. Jim's, you know, fighting back and all that stuff. And it's it, it's awesome. It's just that lull in the fourth act. It's a big, big dip uh, from the rest of the movie, which I personally think was a bummer. But yeah, uh, as I said, this is a great uh, zombie movie. A lot more uh, character depth than a lot of uh, movies that we're familiar with. Uh, it's def- I wouldn't say it's as fun uh, either, but it's definitely definitely right up there as far as top notch zombies uh, zombie movies go. All right, so let's get into the did you knows. Uh, my favorite segment. Uh, we go. Through IMDb, the Did You Know section at the bottom of their page, and we just kind of—I I just kind of give my takes on a couple of things that I found interesting. So, first, uh, <laughs> first one here, uh, I had uh, kind of ref- referenced it earlier, but I just want to go back and visit it. For the scenes on the motorway, uh, aka scenes in London, uh, for the scenes on the motorway, the production got permission to shoot. On a Sunday morning between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m., the police gradually slowed traffic in both directions. Using 10 cameras, the filmmakers managed to capture a total of one minute of usable footage. So they went through all that work, all that money, and they get one minute out of two hours of shooting uh, availability. And it works. It came. The movie isn't what it is without that opening, without the first act of this movie. It's kind of the most memorable part especially now, uh, you know, with quarantine and stuff going on. Uh, we've all seen the memes pop up of Jim walking around on the bridge by himself to feel like, hello, hello. It's the best part of the movie. It's the scenes uh, that everybody recognizes. This is one of the stories that everyone recognizes about it as well. Yeah, I just, I just thought that was cool uh, how they did that. Second fact, the extras uh, who played the dead bodies in church were college students who volunteered to appear in the film for no money. Uh, so that scene, uh, it's basically when we first really see the zombies uh, in human form. Uh, and when you first see them, it's a big, like, oh, shit moment. Uh, because Jim, like, makes, like, a slight sound. And then, you know, the zombies just kind of turn around. And, you like, you see them with their jaws dropped. And they're they're all gangly. And you kind of realize, like, okay, these guys are about to fuck some shit up. Uh, but apparently all the dead bodies uh, in that scene, there's... Couple hundred of them. Uh, those those are just free college kids. I wish I got to do shit like that when I was in college. Closest I ever got. I went to uh, Michigan State University. Go Green. And while I was there, I think it was a, I was a junior or senior. Uh, but this opportunity came up where uh, they were shooting uh, scenes from uh, Batman vs Superman. 
uh, on campus at one of the, uh, the art galleries um, on campus. And they basically put out uh, this uh, call for all the film students. It's like, hey, like, come be a production uh, assistants, if you will, PAs. And everyone I knew applied. We all got, you know, all couple hundred kids in the program applied for it. Only like one or two kids actually got to get picked for it. And it was a bummer. I didn't get to get to get in there. I didn't get to see anything. Didn't get to see my boy Batfleck in Michigan. But, you know, what are you going to do? All right, last did you know here, uh, while filming the mansion scenes, the crew spent a lot of time at the Wooden Spoon in downtown Wiltshire. They liked it so much that they gave the pub one of the dead bodies from the execution pile as a gift. The pub now has new owners. <laughs> this is just one of those funny... Uh, this is just a funny bit. Can you imagine going into this pub and there's just like a corpse, like a fake corpse mangled across the ceiling or in the corner or something like that? <laughs> these, like, I love these stories of uh, production, you know, just like what the crew was able to kind of fuck around with uh, while they were during their downtime and stuff like that. But I love, I love stories like this. I think it's, this is just a good old fashioned funny anecdote. So that's what, I, that's what I love about the did, you know, it's just stupid shit like that. All right. Uh, finally, we'll rate the movie one to five hazmats, five being the best. Uh, and I'm going to give this one three out of five, uh, three hazmats for me. It's a great zombie movie. It's, it lulls at, at points in the movie. The action sequences are awesome, uh, but all the other stuff kind of brings you down a little bit. I think uh, part of that's just like my mentality when I'm watching zombie movies is like I want to see the zombies and I want to see people kill the zombies. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot more character depth in this one than something like Quarantine. Uh, definitely more so than a movie uh, we'll be watching down the road like uh, Shaun of the Dead or Planet Terror. You know, I'm really excited to talk about those, but it's going to be a little while because we got bunch of movies to get to uh, in between then the next episode we're going to be doing here uh we're actually going to be talking about uh one of the biggest comedies of all time the 40 year old virgin uh i can't wait to talk about that one we're not so much going to talk about the movie uh but rather the cultural impact that that movie had keep an eye out for that one that's going to be a good episode uh like us uh all across social media facebook twitter instagram uh, at quarantinema pod Give, you know, just give us a like there, you know, share our content. You know, we we're, this is a new podcast. We're trying to build it out. So uh, the earlier we can get uh, people on board, the better. So tell your friends they're not doing anything. We know you're not doing anything. So you don't really have an excuse. Uh, you can listen to the podcast anywhere on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever major podcasts are heard. Just look us up uh, and you'll find us. That's all I got for this episode. I hope everyone is out there staying safe. Please stay indoors. Please wash your hands. But remember... With all the shitty stuff we got going on, movies aren't going anywhere. So buckle up, put your sweatpants on as if they haven't already not come off for the last two weeks. Sit on your couch and watch a movie. You're being a hero by doing that right now. Normally it's it's just lazy to spend your entire day on your couch watching movies. You're being a hero if you just stay inside and watch movies. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Enjoy.